Hey, the Washington football team that classified best podcast that's out there. You know we got some good people like Eric and Ellie, they on there. We know Washington football team, the best team out there, and we don't care. They used to talk about how we ain't make it to the players, but boy, did y'all go there? Let's talk about Chase Young getting them sacks. Let's talk about Gibson running it back. Let's talk about Terry Lawrence scoring touchdowns every time he catching that pass. Let's talk about Rupert Foster, how he's sitting there waiting for somebody to run that slant. Let's talk about Kim Fuller, how many picks he got. Yeah, the boy be still in the pass. Pick six. Welcome back to the Washington football team declassified podcast. I am L.E. I got Eric in the building and we brought friends tonight. We got uh, Mr. Woo back with us. Say what's up. Mr. Yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Yeah. And we got the infamous Adam from the Burgundy and Gold Report. You've seen this guy everywhere. His work is all over the place. We love having this guy on. Adam, say what's up. Hey, I appreciate it. It's always fun coming on with you guys. Uh, and you know what? Little known fact about the name of this podcast, WFT Declassify. It's called Declassify because the original idea was to give fans and listeners an insight into what coaches were saying, you know, typical coach speak. And that's where I want to start today before we get into our usual program. So Ron Rivera put out um, a report today, not a report. He gave a quote. Uh, to the Washington Post, I believe it was. And I want to get you guys' take on this. His his quote was, I'd like to see him do things, speaking of Heineke, in more of a game manager way. Sometimes that is really just taking what's given to you. It might be a simple check down on a third and eight and give the guy a chance to catch and turn and run up and see if he can pick it up. Um, Adam, I'm going to start with you. What do you take from that quote? Um, I agree with it, to be honest with you. you. know, Before we came on, I always liked to watch the game. And so I rewatched the game and I could see where he missed. You know, he had obvious check downs. He had running lanes. And, you know, you saw what he did late in the game. He was really, you know, getting to more his style and, you know, what he's known for. But I really think, you know, and it's not just him. We saw with Griffin. We've seen it with a lot of quarterbacks over time. They're trying to show that they can be a true pocket passer because the belief is, you know, you're going to make your money in the NFL. You're going to be long lasting if you can, you know, just stay healthy and, you know, be a pocket passer. I think he's trying to do it to a detriment. So I think I do agree with what Ron Rivera says, but I think there has to be some onus on Scott Turner. You know, his lack of innovation, his vanilla play calling. You have an offensive line like you do. You know, you got to roll that pocket. You have to do more things to keep that moving. To just make him try to be a drop back and sit him and survey the field. I just think it's the wrong thing to do. So although I do agree with Ron Rivera, I think that there has to be a lot uh, on the coaches as well because execution is key. I agree. But again, if, if you're calling these plays that are just getting, you know, out schemed by every defensive coordinator that they play, it's not saying much. So I got gotcha. you, Eric. What do you think that what do you take from that quote? I think uh, I think uh, my guy is getting cut tomorrow. <laughs> Taylor Heineke is no more. No, I mean, I don't think I don't think there's there's any kind of veiled language in there. I think everybody saw it. I, I'm kind of under the impression that maybe Heineke started to believe his own hype a little bit last week because he was not. He did not look like he had looked in his previous two games. He was really trying to force things that weren't there. Um, uh, he I don't know if he just thought he could do no wrong. I don't know what was going on with him, but I think he definitely needed a reality check. And Buffalo's defense was definitely that for him. Uh, I 100% with Adam on the play call. He was, it was just, I, I, am not a fan at all of Scott Turner's play call style. He doesn't, he doesn't build off. He doesn't build off plays. He doesn't, his, he just kind of call. It seems like he's just throwing stuff at a wall saying, let's try this now. 
you know, obviously the team, the receivers were not winning matchups against the defensive backs uh, and linebackers and just dropping back passing was not working, getting a little bit of movement in the backfield when, when Heineke got out on the move, it definitely worked a little more, but I really think he Heineke himself was just really forcing things down the field that weren't there. He's really trying to get the ball in again. I'm not going to ever get mad at a guy for trying to get the ball to Terry McLaurin, but uh, he just really shouldn't have a few times. Uh, he threw one down the sideline to Dimey Brown one time. It was just, I don't know what he was looking at because Brown wasn't even close to open. Um, and, and that was the case on several two bad interceptions. Uh, so, yeah, I think Ron Rivera was might be saying what everybody else is thinking, but in kinder terms, because Heineke really was trying to play above what he's capable of doing Sunday. So good on Ron for saying that. Okay. Mr. Who, tell him what time it is. I think uh, what Ron said is code for I'm a defensive-minded head coach, and I just want the offense to not lose us the game. You know, he he wants him to do the simple things, right? Do the easy, easy things, make the check down. You know, get us to third and manageable. Let's keep the chains moving. But at the same time, Ron's the highest voice in there, right? Like, there's nobody else above Ron. Ron can walk down to Scott Turner's office and say, "Hey." This is what I need you to do. This is what I need the offense to be. I don't need Taylor Heineke to stay in the pocket, you know, 50 times. You know, if he has the ability to run, let him run. Let's get uh, Taylor Heineke out on the move where we cut the field in half, give him easier reads. And if the read isn't there, guess what? He's already out on the move. Have him just run for the first down, run out of bounds, something like that. So, uh, it, yeah, it is an old-school defensive head coach who just wants uh, the offense to not make any mistakes, keep the chains moving. But at the same time, Ron is the guy. Like, if that's what he wants, he needs to go down there and tell Scott Turner that's how it is. Yeah, you know what? I, th- I agree with all of you guys, but I, I think I've said this before. Ron Rivera is not a difficult coach to read. You know, like Belichick is kind of hard to get a beat on. Ron Rivera is a pretty plain guy. And what I take from these words are Heineke's lease is pretty short. You saw him make similar comments about each of the quarterbacks last year before they got the hook. And I'm starting to see the same comments about Heineke too. You know, you know, uh, Rivera hates quarterbacks who turn the ball over. Uh, and Heineke's starting to do that. One of the biggest concerns that I have for Heineke is that his performance is regressing with each start instead of improving. I mean, you can say the Giants game, um, was was maybe not the case there but that pick late was bad and it was a bad read and I think we've all come to the conclusion that it just should have never happened he should have went to the flat the the quarterback rating is following the trend of trending down I'm getting nervous and and somebody on Twitter said it's uh Kyle Allen season I think we're probably within another game like this or game or two like this of that being the case and while I don't think that that's really going to get us any closer to where we want to be, I think if you if you follow Ron's statements along with the actions that have correlated with them, I think Heineke better really start tightening up here. So that's what I was saying from that quote. And uh, like I said, I agree with what you guys say. So let's get into the game yesterday. Of course, we got spanked <laughs> by Buffalo. And I think the majority of you all kind of saw that coming. Maybe not to that degree, but I think uh, Brian and Eric, I know you guys both predicted that we would not come out on top. Adam, I didn't get a chance to recall where you stood on that, but um, Adam, tell me something that stood out for you during that game yesterday. Well, first I'll start off on my show. Yeah. I had 23, 20. I thought that it would be a, you know, 
they could take control of this game if a few things happened. And it did start with coaching. Um, but as far as my takeaways, I like what you said about Heike, about um, possibly getting the hook. But I'll tell you what I walked away from. Just That's why, again, I like to watch it fresh before I go on any shows or do my show, is that late touchdown where he scrambled out and he took a shot. He took a shot on that sideline. And everyone's been questioning his durability. He popped right back up. He threw a touchdown shortly after that. So although it was a garbage time touchdown and I didn't think much of it at the time, when I went back and watched the film, my takeaway is although he's not the man, and that's what I've been saying all along, I think people are either in the crowd of he's your franchise savior or he's a, you know, as a bust. And we'll talk about that when we get to the defense, the same fans are with that line of thinking, but he's the guy for now, no matter what happened in this season, they went undefeated. I still said, you have to go into this draft and get a quarterback early on. So what I see from him is it can't be on him. These receivers have to get open. The play calling has to adjust to the talent you have. I feel that it's happening on defense too. They're trying to make a certain, uh, they're trying to mold these players into something that they're not. I think you have speed on your offense. My biggest takeaway is what the hell is going on with Gibson? Why aren't you giving him the ball? Every time he does something, he's electric. If he's getting yards, rarely is he going backwards. So you talk about before the season started, you're, the, the talk is they want to put, see him in that McCaffrey role. Well, okay, you see what he does with the ball in his hands as a receiver. Everyone knew that coming in. But let him pound the rock. Give him more opportunities in the run game, more zone, zone reads, you know, uh, RPOs. That'll give the opportunity for Heinke to get out of the pocket and for Gibson, and they'll be able to read what they have downfield. So asking him to sit there and go through his progressions and read, that's a, that's a coach right now that doesn't know how to work his talent. To sit here and say, well, he might pull him for Allen. Man, if they go Allen this season, you might as well call it over because the, the folks that say that they're similar quarterbacks haven't been watching because Allen can do some things that Heineke can't do and vice versa. But right now, you uh, you put Allen in, th this, this is the worst case scenario. You, you want Taylor to go through this season showing his durability because I want to go forward to having a solid backup in the future. And I think you go into this draft just like they've done with, with their defense. Look what San Francisco did. I think you get a quarterback early on. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, he's better than Taylor. But I think if you can go into next year and you have a situation like that, I'm fine with that. But what I walk away from in the end of this game is it's not as bad as everyone thinks as far as the quarterback play. The defense is a lot more concerning to me right now. For sure. For sure. Uh, Eric, give me your, your quick hot takes on the game. Yeah, it was just a disaster all the way around. Uh, I'm going to steal a line from uh, Ted Lasso. There are some games that are just so bad. The only way, way to watch film on them is like sped up 10 times with the Benny Hill music playing over them. I think that's what you saw uh, this time around. It was atrocious. Uh, I, I mean, there really are no good takeaways from that. They got destroyed on offense. They got destroyed on defense. Um, I, I'm not going to put the entire loss on Heineke. He certainly wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't the, the star of the game by any stretch of the imagination, but there were a lot of drops. There were a lot of bad, a lot of missed blocks, a lot of poor, there was, you very poor linebacker play once again. Um, the defensive back field still seems to be lost. The pass rush isn't getting there. Jack Del Rio still refusing, for the most part, to send pressure. Uh, you know, Tressway was Tressway, of course. Never say a bad word about him. Um, I think uh, I think Troy Apke had half a tackle. So uh, <laughs> that roster spot, I think uh, he's, you know, Ron Rivera's got the last laugh there. That roster spot is now justified as Apke has one quarter of the number of tackles that he does penalties this season. Uh, so I think we're all eating a big plate of crow for that. 
Um, but no, there's just this is one of those games. I think you just you just burn the film, you bury the football, whatever, and you just don't look back at it. Uh, you move on to Atlanta this week. Man, I knew after Pitts was guaranteed this week, Mister Who. Give me your hot takes in the game. Uh, my hot takes are all three uh, our big three coaches, right? Head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. We're all just woefully unprepared, whether it was that they were just stubborn in their game plan. Hey, I'm going to rush for, and at some point uh, the rush will get there instead of recognizing, hey, this rush is not getting there. Let me do something different. Or from the offensive uh, you know, standpoint of, you know what, uh, Gibson is getting yards. Let's keep giving him the ball. No, we, we just go away from him. He has one play where he gets 73 yards, and then we, we don't throw to him again. We only give him 12 carries. Uh, you know, it's those types of uh, inaction, um, you know, lack of adjustment, you know, whatever you want to, you know, describe it. And then ultimately, you know, to the head coach also slow to make any type of adjustments. Um, you know, Ron, I love Ron. I think he is the right coach for us. But hey, when you, you know, don't see anything working, you've got to make that change. You've got to get in there as a head coach and get involved and, and tell your play caller or your defensive coordinator, hey, this isn't working. We've got to change it and we've got to do it now. Uh, and I didn't see any of that from Ron. He just let them keep calling the same standard game plan uh, that hasn't been working for three games. Yeah, spot on, man. I've never seen somebody be as productive as they are with the football in their hands and then not get the football a bunch like we've seen with Gibson. It's it's mind boggling. Well, what did we do the first two weeks? The first week, it was like, why are they only giving the ball to Gibson? I guess Ron hurt us. There's, there's got to be a now, well. You now he's not getting the ball. Just are you happy now? <laughs> there has to be a medium. Um, you know what? You're right, Adam and Eric. This is not the game. wasn't necessarily on Heineke, and I I don't want to perceive it as such because you know quarterbacks are the big deal. That's what we talk about. Um, right. You know, they're the ones that get the uh, wins and loss record, right? But at the end of the day the defense didn't really give us a chance. And, and we've been down every single game at the start of the game um, to start with because of the defense. Um, something that Kevin Sheehan said today, I saw somebody put this on Twitter that the defensive line is having issues with the defensive line coach Sam Mills in terms of technique and approach to playing D line. Um, which normally I would just throw out the window and be like, man, that's just kind of hearsay. But earlier this year, uh, I think it was back in February, in fact, Manny Benton, who used to cover this team for a long time, um, came on the show. And he said, and he told me that at the beginning of last year, the defensive linemen were not seeing eye to eye with Sam Mills. And that's why you started to see, or early in the year, our defensive line wasn't really playing up to snuff either. They eventually got on the same page and the defensive uh, effort turned around quite a bit. Uh, I, and here we are again. So then I would say, to me, that substantiates what Sheehan is saying a little bit because we've been down that road before, um, which actually makes me a little bit nervous, to be quite frank with you. But um, just it was a bad game. There's just there's there's a bad effort. We didn't show up. And the thing that's really, really starting to bother me is it's not only that we're not showing up, but we're starting to not look prepared at all and and that is concerning because we're in year two 
of a complete overhaul of our coaching staff, right? And you would think that now that Ron's had a chance to get his guys in here, they would coach in a way that would be satisfactory to Ron and be effective on the field. And we're just not seeing that on either side of the ball. So I will say this, and it's kind of jumping ahead. If this doesn't turn around, this offseason is going to be very interesting in many ways, not for Ron's sake. Ron is here for the long haul. Like we just, if you love it, don't love it. He's here for a long time. But the coordinators might be a different story. But I don't want to project that because my hope is that we can turn this around. Um, and speaking of turning around, we're playing ATL this weekend. And Atlanta's not great. Uh, and, and by some stretch, this could be a get-right game for us. It could be a get-right game for Atlanta. Uh, you know, they just beat the Giants, who we uh, beat as well. Um, so, Adam, give me something or a couple of things that you love about this matchup that we have with Atlanta. Um, I'll go back to Gibson. Uh, you know, he's a guy I loved coming out of college and, you know, he happened to be on my favorite team. I think against this Atlanta run defense, you just pound it. You just keep doing it. You're not going to keep asking Heineke to drop back and read the field against a defense like this. This is a typical bounce back game, but it's also a typical trap game. If they try to be cute, I think Turner and them need to look at the film, need to understand that right now, Terry McLaurin and Gibson are your two playmakers. In order to get McLaurin involved, you get Gibson involved. You want to say, you know, I can, I can say some teams can set up the run through the pass. Like Kansas City, you can see them do that. But right now, the way Washington is built, if they want to get the ball out to guys like Diame Brown and McLaurin, um, they have to get that run going. Uh, the news that Curtis Samuel, we could see him back soon. I didn't think it would be this much of a hit early on, but I can tell you having him available is going to really open things up for the other players on the field. So right now, I love Gibson versus this uh, Atlanta Rundy, and I love McLaurin against these DBs. You're talking about A.J. Terrell and a familiar name, Fabian Moreau, is cornerback two over there. So I'm sure from what I saw in the film, they could be switching up on McLaurin, but this is a game where Washington should come out strong. It should be aggressive on offense. But right now, I love that matchup, but against this defense is really concerning because it's still Matt Ryan. You know, and there's definitely some things, you know, they don't have Julio Jones anymore, but, you know, there is a couple weapons that do scare me again, you know, with this defense right now. Yeah, hold on to that because we're going to get that in, in about what you hate about the matchup. Uh, Mr. Who, what are your loves about this matchup? Uh, my loves about this matchup are that the Falcons, you know, they're almost kind of like Scott Turner, right? They, they're, they're not that interested in running the football uh, their, uh, their guy, their running back, Mike Davis, he, he gets a handful of carries a game. So if, if our defense can come out and sh uh, sufficiently shut down their running game and just kind of make them one dimensional, you know, maybe that, uh, you know, kind of helps our defense and helps our pass rush. That way our, our guys can get off a little faster and, uh, get to, uh, Matt Ryan. So if we can, uh, uh, you know, kind of shut down that run and get them just to solely focus on the pass, that may help us. So, I do like that, that they are, uh, you know, they're, they're really, you know, just kind of focused on the past. So that, that may help us. It may also burn us. Yeah, for sure. Eric, what are your loves? I actually love the matchup against Matt Ryan with our defense. Um, I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Matt Ryan in general as a quarterback. I think he's, I don't know how a former league MVP is underrated, but I don't think he gets the respect that some of the other guys of his stature really do. I do think he's a really good quarterback. However, he is not mobile at all. And I think that's a huge uh, gain for our defense because we, you know, our defense has really struggled with guys who can get outside the pocket. 
Um, now Ryan can of course burn you with the quick passing game, which our defense has really struggled with, but the fact that he, that one, uh, one aspect of his game is, uh, the, uh, the aspect of mobility is kind of lacking with him that can help our defensive line. That gives us one less thing to worry about, I guess is the best way to say it. The, the team can actually really focus on getting after him and not, I don't want to say not have lane discipline or gap discipline, but you don't have to, you know, the, the threat of running isn't there. So getting burned because you're outside of a lane may not be the worst thing in the world uh, in Matt Ryan's case. Cause if he scrambles, it's going to be, you know, three or four yards maybe. Uh, so I do, I do like that. Um, I do very much like, especially if Curtis Samuel plays this week, their defensive backfield is not good at all. And I think, you know, our passing game can have a very, a very good game against uh, the Falcons uh, secondary. So looking forward to that as well. And I love the fact that this game is winnable, unlike what appears to be our next seven games. So <laughs> I want to see us take advantage here. And then you know what see. else I love? Sorry, I don't want to not to interrupt, but to interrupt. Uh, I also love that if Matt Ryan somehow uh, something bad happens to Matt Ryan, uh, Josh Rosen's coming in to bat to uh, relieve him. I love that. <laughs> not that I want anything bad to happen to Matt. I think he's our quarterback next year. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if Josh played, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Josh Rosen saw the field this weekend. There you go. I, I also love the fact that uh, Cordo Patterson is their running back against our defense, and I have him in fantasy. Not that I'm not that I'm rooting for him. <laughs> Doesn't hurt, no. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Adam, what do you hate about this matchup for us? Man, this is a guy that I spent a lot of time scouting before he even got into the first round talk is Kyle Pitts. I think he showed a little bit um, the past two weeks, but I think against this Washington you know, defense, I, I'm worried about that because right now, Bostic and Collins are the obvious liabilities in coverage. Ron Rivera does not sound like he has any desire to change it up because uh, I got to look at the snap count, but Collins is getting too much time at strong safety. And although Curl, you know, he definitely missed some things. I think he should be strong safety 100%. And you have cons and sub packages. But when it comes to covering Pitts and Hayden Hurst, I hope Bostic's not really going to get many snaps in this game. I'd hope to keep him under 10%, if any. And Holcomb at this 100% snap count, that's got to stop. I, I like him as a guy that can come in and help as a, a weak side. But I understand what they're doing with Davis. They're trying to, you know, work him along slowly. But I think he's going to he'll do a lot better in coverage right now than Holcomb because I think he's proven that he's not going to miss tackles and he's going to be in the play. So I think the only way they're going to have a chance is if we see Davis's snap counts go way up, Cole Holcomb's go way down and Bossett goes down because Pitts and Hurst, that's the only way I can see that Atlanta somehow pulls this one out because I don't think their receivers, like we talked about their run game, uh, has a, has any chance to really do anything? Not because our defense is so good, just because you know they're they're not impressive. I think they'll they'll go with where their tight ends go. Got it. All right, Mister Who. What do you hate about the matchup? Uh, well, the tight end is the the big thing, and I'll uh, piggyback on uh, what Adam was saying. Uh, one of the the good things though is Jamin Davis in college did play against Florida, which is where Kyle Pitts came from. And he, had, he did have to uh, to cover him. So athletically, he's able to match up. Does that mean that, uh, you know, he'll win that matchup? No. But, uh, you know, from that standpoint, not having Bostic, not having Cole Holcomb on him, putting Jamin Davis on them, you know, at, you know, from an athletic and speed standpoint, you'll be able to kind of run with him, you know, for, for the most part. Um, so the, the tight end 
something that's, you know, we've never been good at uh, covering tight ends for years now. Uh, so that is a, a big concern, but also um, Ridley, uh, you know, their number one receiver, um, you know, our lapses in communication in the secondary have gotten worse, uh, you know, right up until Sunday where it was very bad. Um, and we had digs wide open. Somehow Josh Allen threw the ball out of, out, uh, uh, out of bounds for some reason. Otherwise that would have been a touchdown. I mean, it's Stefan Diggs. There should be like no minimum of like eight people following him at all times. <laughs> and uh, he was wide open. So uh, I'm really scared that uh, Calvin Ridley may go off for a, a big day if we don't uh, uh, press him at the line, disrupt some of their timing uh, and the timing uh, with, uh, with Ryan as well, too. So uh, tight end, wide receiver, those are the two big ones that uh, scare me. Okay. I can dig it. Eric, what do you hate about the matchup? Along the same lines, um... <laughs> I hate the fact that our defensive line hasn't shown what it can do yet, because if this is the week you're going to win rushing four, or if there's going to be a, a week where you only want to rush four, it's going to be the Falcons because you're not going to fool Matt Ryan with a blitz. He's seen everything at this point. He's like 37 years old. Uh, so they really, really, really need to get that, get that defensive uh, line pass rush going. I don't see this being the week to start blitzing. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of uh, – so I, it's a love-hate matchup with Matt Ryan because, again, I do like him as a quarterback. Um, I, I don't like our secondary right now against Calvin Ridley. Uh, I love Calvin Ridley as a player. And uh, with, you know, the tight ends that they have with, uh, with Hurst and, uh, and, and Kyle Pitts, of course, not a fan of our, of our linebackers and – uh, you know, Adam already kind of, kind of stole my thunder on that one, but that's, you can't say that enough as our, our linebackers struggle in coverage, uh, and historically against tight ends, this team has never been good. And you've got, you know, two very good ones coming up this week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but there's actually, you know, this, this matchup, there's not a lot to hate about it. I think this is a very winnable game for Washington. Yeah. What I hate about this game is what happens if we lose. Man, I do not want to – I don't want to deal with that or think about that. That That's really the only thing for me because I think at that point you're kind of out of options in terms of, like, sticking with status quo. Uh, so I hope that we win this, and I hope we win it convincingly, and we can all – we can go to two and two and put this thing to bed. But, um, man, if that is not the case, I get nervous, not just for Twitter, but, you know, actual real football <laughs> situations too. So, all right. Looking at the positional matchups, and this is something we like to do here on the Declassified, is decide whether or not we go with our starters or their starters. We're going to start with quarterback. They have Matt Ryan. We have uh, Heineke. Adam, which one are you taking? Just for this matchup, I'm going to take Taylor Heineke because I just, like we talked about Matt Ryan, he's going to be the first, like I would say not mobile, but compared to the three guys we face, the guy that's not going to be a threat, you know, with his legs. So I think this gives you know, better chance as far as quarter, who's going to play out, who I think that this will be a chance for our DBs linebackers to hopefully get some interceptions. So I think in the end, Taylor just has a better game just based on the matchup. Okay. Uh, Mr. Who, you agree with that? I'm going, uh, I'm going with our guy. I'm going with uh, Heineke. I think uh, Heineke is uh, one of those guys where when he plays bad or he has a bad play, He's upset at himself. He wants to come back stronger and be better. Um, and I think that that's what's going to happen uh, this week. I think he's going to come back prepared. I think you're going to see him take off a little bit more and uh, utilize uh, his legs. And uh, I think you're, we're going to get some big plays because of it. 
I like it. Eric? You know I love Heineke, but I got to go Matt Ryan. He's uh, he's our quarterback next year, so I'm not going to bet against him. <laughs> I said he was going to be our quarterback this year, but I whiffed on that, so I'm not giving up. I'm going to die on this hill. Uh, no, I mean, just you look at an overall body of work. Matt Ryan has seen everything at this point in his career. Um, if I have to win one game, I'll probably take in Ryan, uh, but I still like Taylor. But yeah, I got to go Matt. This I got to go Matt this time. Eric, I'm going to go with you. I, I just think Matt's far too established. Um, you know, Heineke's going to create some exciting plays, but like I said, you know, he hasn't necessarily been trending in the right direction from what I can see. So I think Matt Ryan has the potential to carve us up. Um, you know, it just depends on who gets open. You guys mentioned Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, guys like that. Uh, so it's going to be dangerous. All right. So running back, they have Mike Davis, they have uh, Cordero Patterson and Wayne Gallman. Patterson has really been coming on late as of late. Um, we have Gibson, we got McKissick, and we got Pat, our own Patterson. Uh, Adam, who's got the edge at running back? I think it's clear we we, we have it with Washington, but I, you mentioned Patterson. He's a guy that uh, Steve Scott, he was my first evaluation before the draft, and I, I understand what they're doing. I like how they're getting McKissick involved. He's definitely a threat as a receiver, and, you know, he can be on the ground. But, man, a lot of these, sh the, you know, these short downs, and they're throwing passes or having Taylor Heineke run up the middle. It drives me nuts because if you look at the Buffalo film, this is what Patterson does. He's a bowling ball. You know, he's a poor man's MJD that, you know, if you can get him behind that line going forward, I think he's your best bet. But I think you couple those together. I think we're going to see a lot more dedicated run game this week because this is what teams do when they really are just kind of out of sync. They try to just run the ball, you know, to you know dictate the clock. So, I think that's what we'll see this week. And I think it'll be 150 plus yards between our backs. And of course, Taylor, you know, on the ground as well. Man, that'd be great. Uh, Mr. Who you like our running backs or theirs? Oh, uh, ours uh, with, uh, with Gibson and McKissick uh, alone. I think uh, with those two, I think, you, you know, that puts us over the top. And then also with the fact that I think there is a little bit of, um, you know, finally some urgency or some panic among the coaches. Uh, okay, we, we've got to do something different now. We can't just keep sticking to, you know, what we've been doing. So I, I hope, I hope anyways, that, uh, you know, Turner uh, actually puts together a game plan, looks at the other team's defense and says, okay, let's attack their, uh, their weaknesses specifically, you know, with some of the things that we do well. Uh, and that is giving the ball to Gibson and letting him run. So our guys. All right. Eric, you agree with that? Yeah, I'll take our guys. I'll take our guys over Atlanta. Uh, I mean, they're averaging. Uh, I think Mike Davis is averaging like 40 yards a game at this point, 42 yards a game, something like that. It's pretty low. He's got like 130 yards on the year. Patterson, kind of the gadget guy, kind of their version of McKissick, but he's a you know converted wide receiver. Um, not a lot of touches, but he is, you know, a little dangerous in the passing game. Um, but I think overall quality wise, I think Gibson is, is much better than Mike Davis. Uh, so I'm going to go Washington's running backs. Yeah, I'd go Washington too, but I'll say this is closer than it needs to be just because of the lack of consistent use in our backfield. All right. Wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. I can't even say this guy's name. Zacchaeus. They got Frank Darby. They got Christian Blake, Tajay Sharp. We, of course, have McLaurin, Cam Sims, Humphreys, Tommy Brown. We don't know about Samuel. I doubt that he's there this week just because, but we don't know for sure, so I'm not going to count him. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, Adam, wide receiver group, who are you giving it to? I, I have to give it to Washington this week. I think 
you know, McLaurin showed late. He he's still that baller. I think if you can get him, you know, uh, solid, continue to get him, you know, eight, 10 targets a game, you're going to see that guy go over a hundred plus yards every game. And, you know, Deami Brown, although he had that late drop, you know, that could have been a big play, but I think he's just getting started, but you know, you add in who they have, um, the back end guys and i just think right now they're better than atlanta okay mr who oh well no doubt terry i think is the best receiver out of both teams uh there is zero reason he should ever come out of a football game uh with less than 10 targets i mean we should be looking for him early and often and all the time but I'm going to have to go with uh, uh, Calvin Ridley and uh, Falcons because our secondary lets people run wide open. And I can tell you that the Atlanta Falcons uh, defense, they will know what number Terry is. They will know who he is, and they will be assigning multiple people to try and stop him. Our defense, I don't know if they will even cover Calvin Ridley on some plays. And all it takes is uh, a busted play here or a busted play there. And the momentum in the game is now changed. So uh, I gotta, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Calvin Ridley in the Falcons. All right, man. Eric. No, Uh, (laughs) I love Calvin Ridley, but Cal, you know, and Ridley is, is, is not far behind McLaurin. I think McLaurin is the best receiver of the group, but I think Ridley is, is on his heels. Ridley's really good. The problem uh, is that Ridley is the only wide receiver on the Falcons that has more than five catches this year. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Washington. Um, there's just, there's more quality. Although uh, Deami Brown, I'm going to go ahead and put him on the, I've seen nothing from you. So I, I, until I see something positive from Deami Brown, I'm just not I'm going to assume that he's not there, but Adam Humphreys has made a few plays uh, this season. Um and we had a Cam Sim sighting this week. They had that little uh, little end around to him, and he caught one or two passes. Um, but I think outside of uh, Ridley, the Falcons really have nothing. So I'm going to give the I'm going to give the nod to Washington at the wide receiver. Yeah, I think Calvin Ridley and Terry McLaurin are a push. I mean, Calvin Ridley is really really good. He is. Um, but you're right. I mean, outside of that, nothing else scares me. Not that anything that we have right now scares me either, but I think we just have a little bit more depth uh, than they do. So I'm going to go Washington there. Tight end, they have Kyle Pitts. We have Logan Thomas. They have Hayden Hurst. We have uh, the rest of our guys. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Seals. We have. You just, um, you just answered the question right there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Is anybody not going with the Falcons at tight end? No. no. The no. Falcons are better at tight end. All right, that because Logan is Logan's not you know the fumble killed us last week that really hurt yeah, us yeah. last week uh and I love a guy fighting for more yardage but you got to protect the ball if you're doing that um he did have a nice touchdown grab um but I you know I do like Logan Thomas but I think yeah nobody can touch or that nobody on Washington uh, yeah Logan Thomas might be the third tight end on the Atlanta team yep yeah no worries okay let's go to O-line they have Jake Matthews at left tackle, Jalen Mayfield at left guard, Matt Hennessy at center, Chris Lindstrom at right guard, Caleb McGrary at right tackle. And, of course, we have our offensive line, the vaunted Hogs 2.0. No, I'm not even going to do that. We have our offensive line. Um, Adam, which O-line are you going with? It, it's not like it's overwhelming, but it, I say Washington just because, you know, you have an all-pro on the line in Brandon Schreff, and You know, you have, you have talent there. So I, I don't I think you have a bunch of road graders in Atlanta and maybe some overachievers there. But, yeah, I, I think not that the production is clear this year, but I, I do think Washington gets the edge on the line. 
Mr. Who? Uh, Washington. I think our O-line is better uh, if we choose to use them. I think in the uh, run game, we are vastly better, but we don't give them uh, that many opportunities. And I think Cosme is getting better at pass protection. He's not, you know, by any means great, but he's getting better. Uh, I think Leno in pass protection is what it is. Um, I don't think he's going to get any better. He's an established veteran, but overall, our the way they can run block, uh, you know, if we utilize that, I, I think we're superior. Eric? Yeah, um, I was going to say Cosme went from terrible to uh, not very good, so that's a step up. Um, the overall offensive line I don't think was great last week, but uh, Buffalo's defense is way better than what Atlanta's is. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Washington as well, um, mainly because I don't know enough about Atlanta's offensive line. They don't have Alex Mack anymore, so uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I'm going to go Washington because it's just familiar to me. Yeah, speaking like the expert that I am, obviously. <laughs> I'll throw in this one thing. Matt Ryan's been sacked seven times so far this year, uh, three from uh, the Giants game. So you can get to him. I don't know if we can get to him, but somebody can get to him. Yeah, I'm going to go with Washington, too, but managed by a hair. All right, D-line, everybody's favorite topic. They have Jonathan Bullard. They have uh, Tyler Davison. They have Grady Jarrett. We have our guys sweating young. We got Payne. We got Allen. We got Ionitis. We got Settle. Um, what do you guys think, Adam? Defensive line? Well, Ionitis no more for this week. Um, I think I haven't read the official report, but it sounds like he's going to miss this week. So I think it's clear Washington has. It's not even close. Before the season started, you say you know they're going to dominate them, but just the way it's going right now. Um, because again, I looked Buffalo's offensive line, you know, did some work into them and I thought Washington really had a chance to expose them and time after time, the outside edge rushes were just over pursuing, just not there. So I do have, this as a bounce back game. I think this is the opportunity that they're going to come in and just bring the pressure. So I think it's clear that they have the advantage, but when it comes to the end, you know, you're going to see at least five sacks from this defensive line alone. So I do think that they get the edge clear. Wow, that's strong. Mr. Who, what do you got? I go uh, Washington defensive line. I think this is a this is not a uh, matter of technique or anything. This is pride now. These guys are embarrassed. They have gotten zero pressure uh, essentially yeah. in three games, um, barely any sacks, right? And, and all you hear is four first-round draft picks on the defensive line. So to me, I think it is now a matter of pride, and I think they are all really aware of what they need to do. And I think they go out and do it uh, this week. Um, so Washington defensive line. Let's bring it. Eric, you on board? Yeah, I'm going to go Washington. But the reason I'm going to go Washington is that the Falcons are a 3-4 team and they rely on their linebackers for their production. Um, they're definitely oh, – yeah. their guys are space eaters. So, you know, Washington, just because for, for the effect on the game that they're going to have at that position, Washington's got – you know, a more aggressive scheme. So, you know, and on paper, obviously Washington's better, but that's getting old. And I, I would actually like to see some production there because I'm going to stop picking them this week. I just think because of the role of the defensive line, Washington's probably going to have more effect, more of an effect on the game. Yeah, I'm right there with you, my man. All right, linebackers. They have Stephen Means, Deion Jones, Brandon Copeland, Michael Walker, or Mikhail Walker, 
Olakun, Dorian Etheridge, Aguna Jay, and Dante Fowler Jr. Man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Um, of course, we have we have our guys. We got Holcomb, we got Davis, we got Bostick. Woo woo. We <laughs> we got guys. Um, I'm gonna start this off, but I'm gonna go with Atlanta. Adam, who are you going with? Yeah, I'm gonna go Atlanta too. And it's just it's because we, we know that Bostick is no good. Uh, Holcomb, he's just he shouldn't be playing middle linebacker. And right now, I think it's Davis is just a prayer, you know, a prayer to the to the sky right now because I think he has the ability to really be good. But you know, production wise, what they have, I think Atlanta just gets the edge on this. Okay, Mr. Who? Oh yeah, you got to go with Atlanta. I mean, we've gotten next to no kind of production from our linebackers. Um, yeah, Holcomb plays every snap um at linebacker i'd like to you know see hudson get in there i'd like to see somebody else get in there besides him uh same thing with bostic so uh, Deion jones is actually a pretty good linebacker fowler i don't know you know what he still has left in terms of uh rushing off the edge but um Deion jones is pretty good um sideline to sideline so I, I go with them all right eric who you going with yeah i'm gonna go atlanta um all their production seems to come, you know, from their linebacker position. They have, I think, six or seven sacks on the year. Fowler has a couple. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go them just because uh, our linebackers have done diddly. Although I did like the belly-to-back suplex that Jamin Davis did, uh, pulled on, what's his name, last week. So, like, nice to see that sighting, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Atlanta's linebackers just because they have more production this year. Right on. Okay. Secondary, they have A.J. Terrell, who is hurt. We don't know if he'll play. T.J. Green, Darren Hall, Deron Harmon, Richie Grant, Eric Harris, Jalen Hawkins, the infamous Fabian Moreau, Isaiah Oliver, um, and, you know, Fuller on our side. We got St. Juice, and we got uh, W.J. 3, William Jackson III. We have Curl. We have Collins. Man. I, I, man, before the season, I'd be like, yeah, Washington, no sweat. Uh, I'm still going to go with Washington, but I just, I'm not encouraged so far. Adam, what do you got? I tell you what, I love Richie Grant. He's a guy scouted coming out. But other than that, that's the only one to speak of on that. If they can just get it right, get Collins off the field. If they want to use him as sub-package linebacker here and there, fine. But Curl needs to be getting 100, 100% of the snaps of strong safety. And if you want to have McCain, maybe Fuller, you know, uh, you know, do 70-30 with McCain mostly there, I think they have a chance with the safeties. But right now, Collins is a liability. He's killing them. But then, you know, what do they have on? I think St. Juice is, you know, he's made some plays here and there. He's serviceable. Uh, WJ3, I think we want more from him. And Fuller, we want a lot more from him. So Washington gets the – they definitely get the nod on it. But, again, there's definitely underachieving going with these DBs. Without a doubt. Mr. Who? Yeah. Um, like Adam was saying, uh, Richie Grant uh, from uh, Central Florida uh, was a, a free safety that I, I really thought, uh, you know, would be good on our team. But uh, he, ended up, uh, he ended up uh, there. But, uh, you know, if you, it's hard for me to pick our team without changes, right? Like Landon has to be benched. Curl has to be the starting strong safety. Uh, and then when you go to free safety, you know, a combination of either uh, McCain and maybe Reeves or DeShazer, somebody just, you know, anybody 
um, else, you know, there. And then uh, for me, I, I don't think St. Juice is quite ready to be covering Stefan Diggs, which I saw a couple of times uh, on Sunday and in, and Allen immediately recognized it and threw right at him every time that uh, he saw St. Juice on him. Um, you know, I think he'd be better served covering a, you know, fourth or fifth wide receiver. Let's uh, let McTire, um, who played really well in the preseason, let, let's hit, have him get out there and either cover the slot and put Kendall back outside, whichever. Um, but right. without them uh, getting, making some changes, it's, it's hard for me to pick our secondary. So I'm going to Atlanta. Yeah. Eric, you were the guy that said Fuller's going in the slot right after the draft, man. <laughs> Which secondary are you picking? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the on paper version again, which is Washington secretary, uh, second secretary. That's what they look like secretaries. But, um, now Washington secondary on paper is better. Um, and the, uh, the deal breaker is that, or the tiebreaker is that Washington has one interception this year and Atlanta has zero. So clearly Washington has the better secondary. Um, William Jackson got the only pick of the year in week one, I believe for Washington and, uh, Washington is a team that's already played Daniel Jones. So that's really saying something about how bad we've been. Um, I'm not a fan uh, of Washington's. I, I like the players in Washington's secondary. They just have not put it together as a unit. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing back there. Somebody's somebody's out of position almost every play, and, and they've been burned repeatedly, especially with Josh Allen. Um, and, again, that's something that Matt Ryan can eat alive if they can't get pressure on him. So, um but yeah, I think, you know, Washington talent wise has the better secondary. Uh, neither secondary has been very good this season, however. Absolutely. Okay. And to finish it up, special teams, they have Young Hoku at kicker. They have Cameron, whatever, the punter. They have uh, Cordero Patterson as the kick returner, Avery Williams as the punt returner. And Josh Harris is a long snapper. We have Carter as our return guy. Uh, we know about Hopkins and we know about way um, I'm going to go with Atlanta's special teams unit over Washington's uh, Adam. Um, I'm going to pick Washington. I think way is the difference maker. And I think Hopkins, although he's been iffy, I think he still gets the nod, but you know, although Patterson, I give him the nod every day over Carter I'm going to say this is the week that Carter actually breaks one because they're going to be on turf. There's going to, the seed players are going to utilize this field. So in this matchup, I think Washington gets it slightly. I like it. Mr. Who? Uh, I do like uh, Adam's pick there with, uh, with Carter potentially breaking one, but uh, I'll, I'll go with uh, the, the special teams ace, Troy Aki. We've got him. No one else does. So Washington. He's all our own. Eric, what do you got, man? It's the Apke factor. There's no one, there's no one that can compete with Washington special teams. We have Troy Apke. He has a half a tackle and two penalties. How do you compete? I mean, it's it's really not fair to talk about. Let's be honest. How can you? We shouldn't even. I don't. I don't want to put Atlanta special teams in the same conversation, and I don't want to make them feel bad about themselves. But I mean, we have Troy Apke. What are you gonna do? What do you? What can you do? All right. Um... That was spirited. Uh, hey, so we kind of went through all the positions. Uh, tell me where you end up in terms of this game. Adam, what's your prediction? Uh, I, like I said, I think that they're going to realize that getting back to the run is the best way to really get this offensive going. And 
maybe keep the defense off the field a bit. Um, so again, I think this is the game. Gibson goes over 100. I think between him, the backup running backs, and Taylor, they go for over 150 on the ground. I think Deami Brown and McLaurin combined for over 200, two touchdowns. And as I mentioned, I think Carter breaks one uh, for a return for a touchdown. I have Washington taking this one 24-13. I have this as the bounce-back game. Uh, looking at the next four games, New Orleans, KC, Green Bay, and Denver, uh, this is a crucial four-game stretch. So I think this is, if you want to talk about like a code red game, we said that about the Giants, but I think this is a code red game because the next four weeks are going to be crucial to go into the bye week. So I think they take this one pretty convincingly. I love it, man. I love to hear that. Mr. Who, give me your prediction, sir. Oh, uh, Washington all the way, 25-19. Big day from Gibson, big day from the defensive line. Like I said, their pride is wounded. They are taking this seriously. Finally, uh, they respond in big fashion. Uh, the ground game and Jared Patterson makes an appearance, gains a couple of yards on the ground. Washington wins. All right, let's rock and roll. Eric, prediction, please. All right, I've got the defensive line with five sacks this week. I think this is the week they break through. Um, I think they really get at Matt Ryan, which is a good thing. Um, I, I don't see any scenario where Diami Brown and Terry McLaurin go for 200 yards and two touchdowns, but, but God bless you, Adam. <laughs> uh, no, I do, I, I do think the running game, it takes, it takes uh, center stage this week. Uh, I think Taylor takes Ron's advice, plays a little bit more game manager to the tune of about, you know, 220, maybe a touchdown or two, maybe an interception. Um, but I've got Washington 27-17 this week. Man. Everybody's going Washington. I am going to say, unfortunately, I think See, you're just trying to catch up because you're down. You're one and two this year. You're just trying <laughs> to catch up. That's why you're... I feel. No, I genuinely feel like Adam mentioned it earlier. It's a trap game, you know, and that's weird to say when you're one and two. But the fact that, you know, we've lost two good teams primarily and this team seems to have an issue with focus. It makes me nervous going to play another bad team. I think uh, we're going to lose 27 to 21. And um, I don't know how it'll happen, but that's my prediction. That is not what I want to happen for everybody listening out there. I just, I've been a little bit disappointed with this team's preparedness and focus. And so it's hard for me to just say, we're going to come out and just be as crisp as I'd want us to be. So there it is. There you have it. Um, folks, thanks for hanging out with us. Listen, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you go and do that. Get subscribed. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Adam, can you tell us where our, our uh, listeners can find you, please? No. He will not do that. <laughs> All right. And Eric, uh, you know, I know where you are. Tell, you can find Twitter me. Handle. Uh, at etrod42, E-T-R-O-D-4-2. I'm never on Twitter anymore, though, so uh, it is the cesspool of humanity. But if you want to follow me, uh, that's where you can find me. Otherwise, yeah, probably at, like, the bus station eating crab legs or something. <laughs> Mr. Who, tell them what they can find. Uh, at Mr. Who One on Twitter. All right, and I'm going to give Adam's channel a shout-out here. So you can find him at the bng report on twitter he has a great youtube channel uh the links are in his bio make sure you go hit that look it up um give him some likes and some subscriptions the man works hard for you guys 
This has been another episode of the WFTD Classified Podcast. We're out.